0: I'm a giant when I stand. Ballin' like the Jets. Startin' Jersey like the Nets. To New York like the Mets. Yeah, I
1: win like the
0: Yanks. Like the past, fill the check. G&T Sports Talk. How to show on the net. Yeah. On myself. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I Yeah. I put blood to the switch. Yeah. From the east to the west. G&T Sports Talk. How to show on the net. Yeah.
1: This podcast is sponsored by JB Sports and Memorabilia. We love cards and so do they. It just works. Now let's get this podcast started. Oh, We have another edition of G&T Sports Talks presented by Grunt Talks. Today we have a special guest, Jake Montgomery of ESPN Radio. Jake, what's going on, brother?
2: Nothing much. Huh? You guys, I just said you guys do a great job with your podcast, so I really appreciate you guys having me on.
1: Well, thanks. We really appreciate Absolutely that you've been paying attention to our stuff. And um, we know you do a great job as well. Last year, for those of you that don't know, we met Jake at the Michael K. event. And it yeah. was actually one of the last things we were able to do before the pandemic happens. Like, it's before so crazy.
2: Shut down. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I, oh. Hey, broadcast. Uh, that, w- Like you said, that was one of the last live broadcasts that we had before COVID-19 hit. And the whole world got turned upside down and hopefully we can have some of those type of events soon again, but we'll see. It's been a long, long 2020 year. So I'm hoping that we can meet up in person again soon. I, I
1: can't even believe it. Honestly, like, thinking back to, like awesome. what took place and like how long it's been and like what's happened since then. Like if we would have went back in time and like been told this, like everyone, we would have been like looking at everyone, like they had 10 heads. Like it would have been ridiculous, man. Like, who it's just so crazy but we're happy to have you this is we're gonna move forward now so jake i guess the first question i'll start you out with is what's some advice you would have for some people like us that want to break into this industry a little bit more like get our feet wet in the radio game a little bit maybe like we are but maybe just how to advance ourselves and just keep moving forward
2: yeah, well, for those who don't know, I've been in the sports radio business for about eight years now. I started off in college working for WFAN Sports Radio, and I was there for about five years. And then the last three years, I've been with ESPN 98.7. I've had an amazing experience with Bolt Station. So I've always been that type of person that I'd rather do something uh, and make less money and do something that I love than do something that I maybe don't love and make more money. So I've always been, if you do something that you love and you're happy, that's really all that matters. I would give the advice to someone is, you never know when a certain practice or certain reps are really gonna pay off. So even when just doing a podcast like you guys are doing now, one day when you do get that real big opportunity, you'll realize that doing a podcast like this or doing a sports radio station, maybe at your college or something like that, all of those little moments that you do that, It all pays up and uh, it adds up and it pays off in the end because all the practice that you do, um, it'll pay off. And I think that if you do something that you love, that's my main thing. If you do something that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. So that's really what I got to say about that.
1: That's a really good point, and we appreciate that. We're just trying to find our exact niche, but I'll explain a little bit about what we do, and then Bobby's going to ask you a question. So the logo here is Gruntalks MLB. I'm a little bit in it, kind of. But I hey, like it. No, it's down. cool, man. All right. Yeah, well, that's the logo, and that's our website. CEO is Darren Klein. He recruited me and Bobby, and we have GNT Sports Talk, which we still have, and then We started that two years ago. We joined up with Darren in around June. And what we do, we'll do the articles. We'll have the videos like NFL, MLB, all that stuff. We really focus on those two sports. We write articles, replays. We have updates about a bunch of stuff. We also have a card store that has a bunch of cool baseball cards on it. So we're just trying to get ourselves going. We definitely want to move into the merch and live events. But obviously, that's a big challenge with everything going on.
2: The merch could maybe still
1: happen, but... We're just trying to move forward. That's kind of what
2: we're up to right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the live events might be tough right now, but merch is always a good idea. People always need some new T-shirts and new merchandise. So I like the the logo for sure. It's pretty cool. So not too bad.
0: Absolutely. So my question to you is, um, what's it been like working at ESPN? You know,
2: for the radio, and who was there? Somebody you looked up to to want to get into that industry? Well, I mean, I'm a huge Yankees fan. You guys know most of my Twitter revolves around the Yankees. So now working as a coworker with Michael K has been a dream come true. Uh, He's obviously a huge celebrity in the sports radio and broadcasting business, but uh, getting to know him on a personal level, he's one of the most down to earth, uh, kindest, genuine people that you'll meet. So working with guys like him and, you know, Don LaGreca, Peter Rosenberg, I pretty much work hand-in-hand with all of the local uh, shows. So that's been really cool. Um, I've loved being at 98.7 ESPN for the last few years. Uh, I started off on the promotions team, which is how I met you guys. Those events, like any promotional live events, I would show up to and help out there with anything that they needed. Um, Last year, I told the vice president of ESPN, Tim McCarthy, that I'm really interested in being on air and being in the studio. And he gave me a great opportunity to be a co-host of the high school football show that they did on Saturdays. Uh, We were actually gonna get a two hour show this year, but unfortunately due to COVID-19, high school football in New York's not really taking place. So unfortunately we didn't have a show this year, Uh, but a couple of months ago they offered me an opportunity to become a producer for them. Uh, I think you guys might have seen that too. So for the last two years, I, uh, for the last two months, I've been a producer for them going in a few nights a week, helping out with uh, Chris Carlin show, Larry Hardesty's show. And then on Saturdays, I help out with Dave Rothenberg and Anita Marks. So it's been a, a dream come true being in the studio. So even in a year where a lot of things have been negative and a lot of things have gone wrong, Um, I'm happy to say that I still have uh, work, which a lot of people unfortunately lost that opportunity in 2020. But my dream has always been to be in studio. So these last two months being a producer for ESPN has really been uh, quite amazing. And we'll see what happens moving forward. But I love working with Dave. I know some of your followers give me some. Uh... <laughs>
1: I have something funny <laughs> to bring up soon. <laughs> yeah,
2: the first the first time I did Stump Rothenberg, some of the, <laughs> some of the questions from the callers were not uh, ideal. Uh, I screened the phone calls for that show, but uh, working with Dave is awesome. He's one of the coolest, funniest guys. And he's also, I think Don LaGreca said he's pound for pound uh, the best uh, talent that we have at ESPN. So working with him hand in hand, on Saturdays has been awesome, and uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. Hopefully, when things somewhat go back to normal, high school football will come back, and I'll get that opportunity again.
0: What's up, GNT Nation? Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel yet? Subscribe to us at Grunt Talks MLB. Once again, that's Grunt Talks MLB. You could also catch us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now, back
1: to the show. into what I was going to say um, about the um, podcast about what you were saying like with Rothenberg and everything um yeah. big Steve wanted to ask what the new punishment is because I heard you were gonna someone <laughs> was trying to get you body waxed apparently
2: oh yeah so I'm not <laughs> the one uh, his main producer is a guy named Ty Butler uh he's been doing Dave Rothenberg's show for uh, a long time now they have a bet together that if Dave who it's honestly one of the smartest uh sports trivia guys you'll ever meet We asked him a question the other – I asked him a question a couple of weeks ago uh, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. What was the first scoring play of the game, which was a safety by Tom Brady? Not only did he give us that, he ended up rattling off every scoring play from that game in order. It was kind of insane Mm. to hear. But, uh, yeah, we do the thing stump Rothenberg where we allers ask uh, Dave trivia questions and Dave, most of the time, goes at least six and two. At worst, he goes five and three. So at the end of the year, if he has a winning record, then Ty has to – at first it was to get his whole body waxed, which if you guys <laughs> have seen 40-year-old Virgin when he's getting the body wax and he's, yeah. saying, he's yeah. uh, that's probably not too fun. But uh, I think they changed the bet to uh, eating, uh, what is it, the fire wings or whatever the really hot, spicy wings are. He's got to eat a whole. (laughs) So, either way, getting your body waxed or eating spicy buffalo wings, either way, it's probably not going to be fun for my man Ty. That seems like a rough scene. (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) happy, happy, That's hard to bet for sure. Yeah, I'm not trying to get my body waxed or eat any hot wings. As much as (laughs) I love I'm not trying to eat the spiciest ones that they can find, the fire wings.
1: That's hysterical. It's a good time. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a.
2: It's been great that's,
0: that's been crazy So my question for you is Being a producer, what goes into being a producer For a show? How much hard work Do you have to put in to be a producer? Because you're, you're basically Am I right? You're calling the shots In some way Like you're, it, A lot of stuff goes through you, am I correct?
2: Yeah, I mean, some people listen to the radio and think that it's just, you know, someone gets on air and talks sports for a few hours. There's so much more behind the scenes that goes into the shows than most people think. You have to write a rundown for the shows with uh, just the topics you're going to talk about. You got to get audio together so that if the if the host wants to go to some type, for example, if he's talking about Adam Gase, uh, you have to have a bunch of <laughs> with Adam Gase ready to go. Yeah, I don't know if we'll be talking about Adam Gase in New York
1: for very very much longer. <laughs> oh, please no. I'm a Jets fan. I think you might know, but oh yeah. god, just get rid Hopefully, of it. Now. for the
2: sake of Jets fans, we won't be talking about Adam Gase for much longer, but please, please you no. do have to do a lot behind the scenes to get these shows ready. You have to put the music uh coming in and out of commercials. You have to set up the commercials. Uh you have to make sure that just the host has everything he needs whether it's the live reads that they do during the commercials or anything like that, there's a lot more behind the scenes that goes on. And I've been a producer for about two months now, and I've been in sports radio for about eight years. And just these last two months alone, I've learned so much more about really what goes on uh, to run a radio show. So moving forward, if I ever end up lucky enough to be a host, I kind of know the behind the scenes drill as well. So being a producer for the last two months, Uh, Has really taught me a lot about sports radio. Absolutely, because that's what Julian
0: and I are trying to do. I'll be honest with you. With me, my dream is to be a sports broadcaster. I want to be the guy because I'm big into football. Obviously, I think you can tell who I'm a fan of.
2: And literally, the first year and like since Vietnam, that the Patriots haven't made the playoffs. Yeah, (laughs) it's
0: uh, it's been tough. And that day, we were at a. The house of Q, Michael K even was Calling me out, he's like, you in the Patriots shirt So that's one thing that uh I bring back from that, but That's one thing, I think sports radio Is fun, and doing a podcast With Joel, it just Feels like we're doing it, and I love watching spa, um, Like, watching the ESPN Show, and watching Michael K and Dom LaGreca Literally it's fun. You're talking about something you love consistently every day, getting paid great for it, and you get to get callers on there. You know, you might not get the best type of callers, but you know what? <laughs> it's all in, it's all in fun. And not to lie, I really love seeing Dom rants. Really, I love it. Absolutely yeah. love it.
2: They're classic. And speaking of show is it talked about the behind the scenes for a radio show. He's also a television show, obviously. So Mm -hmm. think about how much goes into that. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, so doing a a simulcast like that, there is so much work that goes into it. The meetings that these guys have, they're really true professionals. During the Yankee season, Michael's not only doing his own uh, simulcast, he's also doing play-by-play for the Yankees. So I look up to a guy like that that is just a real – Professional and knows how to do his job in every facet. So,
1: yeah, absolutely,
2: it's a a lot for sure.
1: He's Um, really well-rounded, K. That's a great example to go from because he can basically do it all. Like he he does the broadcast, he does the radio show. He used to write. I don't think he really does any more. But Michael K is a good example of like what we would want to be because he literally does whatever you need him to. Like he's very versatile. It's very important. But one of my questions for you, I guess Bobby kind of asked this before, but Do you have any moments or experiences that stand out to you since your time you've worked there? Any funny stories that you, that people don't know about
2: maybe? Uh, Some funny stories. I got to think about that. One moment that comes to mind for sure. One of my favorite moments is, as I mentioned, I was working behind the scenes for about eight years. So when I finally got my opportunity to be an on-air host for the high school football show, we actually did a live broadcast from, uh, bergen catholic which is one of the main uh yeah it's a huge high school in new jersey they're very good they're top 25 in the mm-hmm. country at football we did a live show there uh for the saint joseph versus bergen catholic and uh, at Big the time, yeah at the time it was the number one versus the number two schools in new jersey uh we did a live broadcast there we ended up having a few hundred people in the parking lot and uh we did the show it was myself this guy Mike Quick who's been doing high school football yeah, for I know him yeah yeah time he was huge on MSG varsity when that was uh, a really big thing. and then uh, Matt Sims, who's Phil Sims's son, I became really close with him too doing the show. but the funny thing is Matt actually went to Don Bosco, which is another yes, did. yeah which is another huge high school uh, for yep. football Jersey but they're they're arch rivals with Bergen Catholic. So we were at Bergen Catholic, so all the fans there were like booing Matt and I became a fan favorite and they actually called <laughs> Yeah, so on the show they called me Monty, which was my nickname on the show, and at one point the entire parking lot was chanting Monty, Monty. <laughs> and at that time- oh wow. Yeah, it felt so cool to kind of after all the hard work behind the scenes to finally be that on-air guy for them and uh, having an entire parking lot of people chanting my name was pretty cool. So that's one of my favorite moments, Uh, funny moments. I got to think, to be honest with you, the thing that I really love about 98.7 is the personalities that you see on air. That's really how these guys are off the air. They're kind of just really being themselves. It's not really a shtick or anything. So what you, what you get from the shows that you listen to and what you watch, that's really how these guys are in real life. They're all really good people. Um, my sister got married uh, this summer. Um, and unfortunately, because of COVID, a lot of people weren't able to make it. My 92-year-old grandma from uh, New Mexico couldn't fly in because of COVID and everything. Hmm. So I put together a video for her of just a lot of people like saying, congratulations, and I hope you guys have a great wedding and stuff like that. My sister's husband, um, is a huge Yankees, Knicks, Islanders, and Jets fan. So I reached out to Michael K. I reached out to Bart Scott. I reached out to Rick Pietro, and I reached out to Alan Hahn and I just let them know that I was putting together a video. And within a few days, all of them sent back a really nice, uh, video message for my sister. I my love husband. that. That's awesome. And, uh, I You know what I mean? Just it they the fact that they did that for me without even hesita- without a hesitation really showed what kind of people they were and uh, the kind of people they are. And it really meant a lot to my sister and meant a lot to myself. And uh, it's just really nice to work with good, genuine people that, you know, will help you out when you need something. So that's a story that I kind of like just because it shows how good um, that these guys are really good people. So I really appreciated that from them.
1: That's a really good story. I like that too. And we've met a few of them and we've called on the radio shows and we can tell they're good people. Like they're all, it's a nice family. You guys got at ESPN for sure. Great roster. Definitely yep. looking really well. Oh yeah. And we're really familiar with that Bosco Bergen, St. Joseph thing. Cause we're in that area. We don't live too far from there. So you're oh, ready not familiar with how good those schools are. When we were in high school, Bosco was the cream of the crop. No one could touch them. But I've seen things have changed. Nobody like, not exactly the same. Yeah, well,
2: Bosco had uh, they had Matt Sims, who was great when he, he was. He's still in the NFL technically. He's been hurt for a while, but
1: oh, I didn't uh, even know he was technically still in it. Wow.
2: Yes, he's he was on the Atlanta Falcons IR last year. I'm not sure uh, this season if he's still technically in. But last year he was on the IR for the Falcons. Uh, The Giants' safety, Jabril Peppers, he was great at Don Bosco. So, uh, yeah, a lot of big names have come out of that school um, in the last uh, couple decades. Yeah, I think Bergen Catholic and St. Joe's have kind of finally caught up to Bosco. But for a long time, Bosco was, Mm -hmm. you know, top five in the entire country. So um, if you guys are from New Jersey, I'm sure you're very familiar with uh, how good those schools are in high school football, for sure. Yeah, they take it really Absolutely. seriously.
1: But speaking of f- cool people you've met, I've seen some pictures like with Gary Sanchez and stuff. What's your favorite athlete story or favorite athlete you've met?
2: Well, uh, the, yeah, I've luckily been able to meet a lot of cool athletes over my uh, time with sports radio. Um, the photo of Gary Sanchez that you mentioned, that was me working at a Michael K broadcast at Mohegan Sun. Right. It's, kind of, it's kind of ironic because I was at WFAN, like I mentioned and every year, Mohegan Sun has this huge event for the uh, for a cancer foundation. And Mike Francis was the host for for a long time. And um, the same year that he retired, I became uh, I came over to ESPN. So,
1: if you like this content, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Gruntalks Team. Again, that's Gruntalks Team on Twitter and Instagram. Now back to the show.
2: Uh a big change of who was going to be the host of the show. Francesa retired, so they needed a host for the show uh, for the Big Cancer Foundation, and they ended up getting Michael Kay. And uh, it was at the same time that I went to ESPN. So for about eight years in a row, I got to work this really cool event. Gary Sanchez, Gio Urshela, Tommy Canely, who who unfortunately Uh, today- Yeah, he went to the Dodgers, which kind of breaks my heart The because oh, f- not only was he great in the bullpen, he just seemed like he had that personality that was uh, absolutely amazing. But uh, one year, my boss called me into his office and he goes, you're never going to guess who we got for the Cancer Foundation event. And I said, who? And he goes, the captain, Derek Jeter. And, Damn. Uh, yeah, he, uh, obviously, if you're a Yankees fan like around our age or – any Yankees fan, Derek Jeter is one of your favorite players. And uh, I was backstage for the Michael K event. Uh, There was about 10 of us there and Derek Jeter walked into the room and uh, he kind of just took everyone's breath away. You know, when a guy like that walks into the room, no matter how cool you want to try to act or how cool you're like, like forget your name. I'm like, Oh my God. Like this is Derek Jeter, the guy who, uh, kind of brought me into the love of the Yankees and the love of sports walks in I ended up getting to talk to him for a second and getting a photo with him and I told him I said I don't think you know how much like this means to me that I get to meet you uh if it wasn't for you I don't know if I would love sports the same way I do today or if I'd even be working for ESPN and he was like that's really cool man I appreciate it and I was like that's really cool to you. You're Derek Jeter, man.
0: That's, <laughs> it was cool. that's awesome.
2: I just never wanted, I didn't want to shower. I didn't want to wash off having Derek Jeter touch my hand, but uh, meeting Derek <laughs> Jeter, experience meeting Mariano Rivera was another time that was meeting my two childhood heroes like that was uh, it made everything kind of worth it. All the hard work that I put in, uh, behind the scenes, getting to meet guys like that kind of puts everything into perspective that you're kind of, it's all worth it in the long run. So yeah, meeting Jeter was probably the uh, the top of my list for sure.
0: That's incredible. Absolutely.
2: That, that's
0: awesome. The fact that you got to meet the captain, Derek Jeter. I mean, I envy you, by the way. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah it it was definitely. For sure. Uh, and I got to meet the only player on the t- current team that I haven't met are the two big outfielders. I didn't meet uh, judge and I haven't met Stanton. I met Gary a couple times. I met Glaber. I didn't meet LeMayu. So uh, I take that back, but I got, I've gotten to meet pretty much the entire team, uh, the current team. So uh, I'm just waiting to meet Aaron judge. So hopefully that happens soon. Yes, yeah. It'll happen this year. Watch. Team. I hope so. Hopefully <laughs> live, live events happen live again. events happening.
1: Oh, we all want that for sure. Yeah. Let's well, all, so so
0: in your eight years you've been with you've been doing this on a show who is the one guest that you've seen that is not really a
2: nice person like they just had they're just not really yeah I'm gonna dive into that Uh, I really like I don't want to talk bad about any uh athlete for the most part what I've realized um from working these events is when you you look at these athletes, you kind of think of them as this like bigger than life person. But when you really talk to them and get to know them, you realize that they're just normal human beings like us, Absolutely. but they're just very good at sports. They're very athletic, <laughs> very. Talented. but at the same time, you know, they, they do normal things. They, that an everyday human being would do. And sometimes when you watch sports, you think of these guys, it's kind of bad to say, but you kind of think of them as like robots, like that you kind right. of think of them as these machines that go out there and perform because they're so talented and so good. But when you really get to like meet them and get to know them, you realize that they're just normal human beings. So I would probably say that I would say uh, I worked Giants training camp every year when I was with WFAN. Mm-hmm. And then I've been at Jets training camp the last few years because ESPN mm-hmm. is the home of the Jets. Uh, right. My favorite player um, was Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. With like a lot of lot of Giants fans, um, and the first time I met him, uh, he was super cool, uh, super nice. Mm-hmm. I actually saw him in the cafeteria eating food, and I didn't want to bother him, but um, I kind of like walked by, and it sounds really lame because I'm his age, but my <laughs> phone my phone case at the time was. Uh, a f- my phone case was a photo of him making the one-handed catch the right and handed catch so when i walked by i kind of pointed to my phone case and i was like just trying to show him like yo man you're my." <laughs> <laughs> and he started laughing and he walked over and signed it uh he gave me an autograph without he got that's up from- awesome yeah he got up from eating his lunch and he was like yo man that's really cool and i was like it's kind of lame because i'm your age and i have you like i have aaron judge socks like when i get the older i get i'm like <laughs> Damn, I'm, I'm like I'm a loser, but uh, he, got, he got up from his lunch and he signed that, which was really cool. And then the second time I met him, uh, it was during a Mike Francesa broadcast. Uh, he, he, Francesa had Eli Manning on and Eli was running a little longer than expected. So Odell came out for his time slot, but the time was kind of going past his, like his start time. So Odell took a pair of keys and he was like jingling it in front of like Francesa, like it's my turn, like to go on. <laughs> it was, it was funny, but at the same time, it was kind of like a prima donna kind of a move. But uh, for the most part, all these athletes that I've met have been uh, really solid people. And like I said, they're just normal human beings like you and me. So that's what I've learned from getting to know these guys a little bit more. Absolutely. Uh, I am, I, you know what, I got another one
0: Since you've been uh, working with Michael K And the Michael K show What is the funniest Dom rant you've ever heard? Like the funniest where you just can't <laughs> keep it in You're like, oh my god, this is just
2: gold <laughs> Oh, well, that's a great one Don is. Uh, some people question whether or not Those rants are genuine or if they're planned Those are 1000% genuine Like he just kind of goes off uh, If you kind of <laughs> tick him off the wrong way um, he'll end up kind of exploding and it makes for great radio because we've all heard the infamous, uh, rants, whether it's the Ed Crane pool one, that one was great. Uh, he had one the other day with the tiger woods, the sniff him dead, which was really fun. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys heard that one. But, I, I
1: think I did the golf yeah. one. He's not a golf guy. <laughs> but,
2: uh, his, his rants are hilarious. I, he, when he's off air, um, He's actually a pretty quiet, mellow dude. Um, and then when he gets on air, that's another thing I've learned from working in sports radio. A lot of these guys that are like loudmouths on the radio, I worked with Craig Carden at WFAN. I've worked with Don, who's can be loud with his rants. I've worked with Stephen A. Smith, who is a walking meme at this point with all of his funny, <laughs> things, all the funny things that he says. These guys, when they're not on air, they kind of are very quiet guys. Like you wouldn't even know that they're in the room sometime. And then when the, the lights are on and the, the, the microphone turns on, they kind of j- just ready to go and they kind of turn it up when they need to. I guess it makes sense. They got to save their, if they're going to give that much energy on the show, they might as well save it for the time that they're going on. But when they're off air, they're actually pretty quiet guys, which I thought was pretty interesting as well. Also, Stephen A. Smith is way taller Than I thought he was really. Yeah. He's like six foot three. I think he walked in, I'm six foot. So I think I'm a pretty tall guy. And he was like (laughs) a few taller than me. I was kind of shocked. You can't really tell on TV when you're looking at someone Mm -hmm. they're tall or not, or like how big they are, but he's a big dude. Uh, I didn't think he was six three. My God. He's definitely pretty tall for sure. I got to look up his exact height, but he's definitely over six foot for sure.
1: You know, sometimes it's hard to tell on camera. Like, I feel like a lot of the guys are short guys like us a little bit. Like, me and Bobby are, like, 5'8", 5'9". Like, I feel like a lot of the reporters and, like, radio guys are, like, not really that tall, except a few of them are. But Stephen A., I could kind of see him being over six. Michael, Michael
2: K. is really tall, too. He's, He's a, yeah, yep, him, I know for is. sure. Because I also
1: saw him at spring training shortly after um our time at the House in Q. But speaking of that, let's get to our Yankees, Jake. What's your concern level about LeMay, What do you, do you think we're good? Are you getting worried now? Like, what are you thinking?
2: I'm not – I mean, I'm concerned if he leaves, but I really do think that the Yankees and him figure it out. I If it doesn't happen, I'll be heartbroken, and I think it'll set the Yankees back, uh, you know, from all the progress that they've made. I don't think that the Yankees, as much as I make jokes about they need to go out and sign, you know – Trevor Bauer, get any of these big name free agents. I do think that the last few years, they could have easily won the world series. They've always been, they've been right there every year. And if a couple of things just go right, if they get a couple of key hits when they needed it, I think they win the world series. I think they're just as good as the Dodgers or the Astros or, you know, the Rays last year kind of had our number, but we were right there. And if you told me you're going to go into a game five with Garrett Cole I'd like our chances more than I like their chances. I think a 100%. lot of people win that uh, they lost a tight two, one game. Chapman again, kind of broke our hearts, Ugh. but old pitched pretty well. He gave up that one run, the one home run. I think Lemayu obviously has been the MVP of the team. The last couple of seasons, I do understand why they'd be concerned giving him like a fifth or a sixth year, but I think, after getting him for such a bargain with the two years, $24 million. At this point, you just got to suck it up and, you know, maybe overpay a little bit for a guy that's really delivered for you in every way, whether he needed to play second base, uh, third base, first base, he played any position that you asked him to, and he played a gold glove caliber glove when he was there. And the guy, as you guys know, you're both, you're both, I know you are, Julie, are you Bobby? Are you a Yankees fan too? Yes. Yes, I am. Yes. Yes. So, you guys watch almost every game like me, the guy, LeMayu, he's just, he really is unbelievable. He's just a hitting machine. Every time he goes up there, I'm more shocked when he gets out than when he yeah, gets right. Or like when, when he doesn't get a hit with runners on. Yeah. Like <laughs> in scoring position, I expect LeMayu to get a hit almost every time, which is a tall ask for anyone. But uh, in the postseason. He kind of was a little underwhelming too, but yeah. at that point you can't get mad at a guy who literally carried you every time that you asked him to. So Voigt kind of was quiet in the postseason too. He's another guy that it was kind of hard to get mad at because during the regular season, he put the team on his back with everyone getting hurt. Urshela was a guy you couldn't really get mad at, but let's be real. And the series against the Rays, those guys were kind of quiet as well. Mm-hmm. So... If those guys, if their bats woke up a little bit, I think that they beat the Rays. And then I think that they would have beaten the Astros. And then the World Series against the Dodgers would have been the, the matchup that we were all waiting for.
1: Everybody, yep. Right. We all That's what it. we were expecting. That was the preseason pick before COVID, after COVID. It was Yankees, Dodgers. And we were this close. I agree because the Astros really, their pitching was not great. Their hitting kept them through against Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay's heading really is not that good. It's their pitching, obviously, that buckled us.
2: I mean, a Rosarena had – A Rosarena,
1: know, yeah. <laughs>
2: I, I don't expect him to be that good. I think he's a solid player, but the way he performed in the postseason, it's like if only the Yankees had a guy that ended up being like that for the – post. you know what I mean? You couldn't well, really – expect... Stanton
1: was Stanton
2: – that is very true. Stanton had a great postseason. Um he had what five or six home runs in that series. It was six in the
1: whole all the playoffs. And, I want to say yeah. he okay. hit one almost every game, basically.
2: Yeah. The thing with Stanton that I, I'm not a Stanton hater. I think I think the contract's obviously pretty bad. Because, We're on the
1: same terms with this. Me and Bobby and Darren say this all the time. We yeah. hate that we don't hate the player. We hate the contract.
2: The contract until 2027 or whatever it is, 2028, paying him that much money. That's rough, but. you know, having him in your lineup, definitely. I get Yankee fans tweeting at me saying, you know, like, start Mike Talkman over. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no way that's the case. But the thing that Stanton that kind of bothers me a little bit is, does he have that clutch factor? Yes, he was very good in the postseason with all the home runs. And he did hit a couple of home runs that were big and important. But some of his home runs remind me of, like, alex rodriguez home runs yeah
1: the pylons.
2: you're up 10 to 2 in the ninth inning and then you home run so that's one thing with stanton obviously the injury concerns scare me because you need to be able to play same thing with judge over the last couple of seasons but at the same time it certainly doesn't hurt to have an mvp caliber type guy in your lineup
1: i agree 100 percent I really do. And then in terms of the Yankees pitching, I think that's been a hot topic lately and I have an article coming out soon. We'll have it on the website probably after the holidays at this point, kind of been pushing it off a little bit, but I'm going to examine the situation behind Garrett Cole and like, look at like our options, like realistic options in the off season. Bauer is not realistic. So I'm getting that one out of my head. The Yankees aren't going to go there with the money concerns. He, with COVID. He's, been, he's been teasing us. By oh, where- I know it's terrible.
2: he's a good troll for sure (laughs)
1: he's the a plus troll
2: (laughs) yeah he's definitely uh he knows what he's doing and i think he'll get even though he's always said he wants those one-year contracts i think he knows that this is definitely the time to cash in Mm -hmm. on all year contracts so i don't think that one year thing is going to happen much longer i think he has a stupid bet with his friend or something like that paintball gun (laughs) yeah at that (laughs) at that point you give that friend a few million dollars and say you know what the bet's off buddy but Getting Severino back, I love Severino. I don't think all this time we wanted Severino to be that number one ace, but now having Garrett Cole, that kind of allows him to be the number two or even possibly the number three guy. Imagine having Severino as your number three starter. That would be right. a, a great thing to have. Um, what do they do with Tanaka and Paxton? I don't really see them uh, getting both of them back. I would hope that maybe you can bring back Tanaka because I just Mm -hmm. you know what I mean who knows what's going to happen but once again if you can get a guy uh, I've heard uh, who's the guy in the Cubs Kyle Hendricks Kyle Hendricks I really like too. maybe yeah I like him too if you can get a guy like him and make a trade for a guy like that and maybe plug him into that rotation all of a sudden you have a rotation of like Cole Hendricks Severino and Tanaka and that's a pretty good four to go with and then whether you like him or not because uh, of kind of the off-field problems, Domingo Herman a couple of years ago was very solid too. So to have a guy like that, Jordan Montgomery, who I have no relation to. I've had people, <laughs> I've had people tweet at me after he, he had a bad game. I had someone tweet at me like, what a bad game you had. I'm like, I'm not him.
1: I'm <laughs> I think I saw you respond once to that um, or something. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, uh, you got the Tommy John surgery. I had people tweeting at me like, I hope everything goes well. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate it. But, but my arm is just fine. But uh, they do have good pitchers. They lost in the off season so far. They lost Holder, who I think we can all agree isn't, you know, the best, but he was definitely not a bad piece to have in the bullpen. Losing Tommy Canley today definitely hurts. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think they do need to add a few more arms to the bullpen. And I think one more guy in the rotation as well. So the offseason has been so slow so far. It's with terrible, everyone. man. Like
1: 2018. It's exact, That's what I'm saying. Been saying this whole time. It's just like 2018 all over again. That was my worst fear. We waited till February for Harper and Machado. We're gonna wait till January or February again with all these guys.
2: Yeah, and my family asked me. They said, "What do you want for Christmas this year?" And I said, "All I want is a DJ LeMayu jersey." But the <laughs> thing is if I get that uh, on Christmas and then he doesn't sign with the Yankees, all of a sudden that turns into like a Tyler Austin jersey or an Lando <laughs> Orlando oh, Hernandez man. jersey. So I specifically asked for one without the last name on it because if he doesn't sign, then all of a sudden I have a random 26-year <laughs> jersey. Uh, oh, but man. Quickly, I do think in the long run, I do think that he loves being a Yankee. I think that he feels comfortable here, which a lot of players don't. We've seen, you know, Sonny Gray and other guys come here who have performed other places, and they just can't play here in New York for some reason. But I think LeMayu and the Yankees do figure something out. It's just whether or not numbers make sense for both sides. And I do think uh, that they will figure it out. It won't be by Christmas. If it is, then my jersey will be great, and I'll wear it very proudly. <laughs> but uh but- I do think it'll probably be at some time in uh, the middle of the January or a little maybe early February, which is terrible. What I is it? Am. All free agents or NFL free agents? Like right away, that first day, everyone's – That's signed. the NFL. That's NFL yeah. free agency. It's um, the tampering period. Literally, all the signings are done before it officially even starts. <laughs> yeah, you like the first day, you just like find out where everyone's going. Baseball, it's exactly. like – exactly it's opening week and you're like, I wonder if LeMayu is on the team yet, but uh, (laughs) I think that uh, I think it'll happen in the next month or two. I mean, I'm hoping so because when does spring training start? I think it starts the end of February maybe.
1: Well, that's up in the air too. I mean, hopefully it starts on time supposed to be like February 20th or 18th or something like that, but (laughs) we don't know what's going to happen. If the owners want to push back, we might get owners and players again. No one wants to deal with that. So like, that could be a nightmare i'm just hoping we get 162 but we're gonna have to see
2: yeah i think that's a wait and see to see what happens with the vaccinations have come out so we'll see what happens with that we'll see if the cases somehow go down 162 games uh i think that's that's shooting for the stars a little bit but i i would love it but uh I'll take any baseball, like the same thing with last year, people that were like, I don't want a a 60 game season or whatever. It's like, I'll take a a five game season. I'll take anything. I love baseball that I just want to watch my team. Um, Especially with the window that the Yankees have. I don't think the window is closing, but like the last few years and the next couple of years moving forward, are really the time where I think the Yankees need to at least get one. It's been so long. It's I mean, some teams have it way worse than the Yankees. I'm not trying to sound like a spoiled Yankees fan, but they haven't been to the World Series in over a decade. Like, for the Yankees, that's kind of unheard of. So
1: Yeah, it's more in it, uncharted waters for sure. Next year really has to be it, in our opinion,
2: honestly. And you don't, you don't want to waste, you know, as great as Garrett Cole is, do we think in year nine or year eight that he can <laughs> – you want to you want to capitalize on these first few years of having Garrett Cole in his prime so they need to get it done for sure
0: absolutely i agree 100% got to get it done i wish baseball free agency was like football free agency you find things out right away it happens but i'll transition to football so i know you're a giants fan so let me ask you this how do you think joe judge has really turned this team
2: around i i like joe judge a lot i this whole year has been kind of weird with the NFC East being as bad as yep. it's been. Um, obviously they're still in the, the playoff hunt um, even though their, their record doesn't really reflect it or show that they've been playing well. I do think Joe judge has this team on the right track. Losing Saquon Barkley has been huge, but at the Absolutely. same time seeing Wayne Gallman play as well as he has, it kind of shows fans that, maybe picking Saquon at two wasn't necessarily the right move. And I'm not saying anything bad about Saquon. I think he's amazing. I think he's a great player. I think he's a great leader. But at the same time, the Giants weren't necessarily ready to bring him in. To like, You need to have everything else in place before you risk a number two pick on a running back. And at the time, I was so for it. Um, I, I really loved that pick. But the Giants were too far away in a lot of other positions to really use that pick on Saquon. So seeing Wayne Gallman perform the way he has, it kind of shows you that you can find a good running back, you know, in the second round. You could find him in the late first round. um, And the Giants have been uh, on the offensive line. Not great. They're wide receivers you look at the positions that they have and you think like some of these guys are pretty solid. I can't believe Evan Ingram made the pro bowl. That kind of was, yeah. I mean, he's he's you watch him and you think to yourself, he's super talented, which you could tell he has that, that physical presence and he has a great, but he's very inconsistent. And uh, I was kind of shocked to see him make the pro bowl. Uh, Daniel Jones is another question as well. Um, I think he's good. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily great. Sometimes he shows flashes of being uh, a guy that you think you can build your team around, but right. at the same time, uh, the turnovers over the years have not been great. Um, the jo- on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they've made a few really good pickups with Bradbury and Blake Martinez and Logan Ryan. All those guys have been solid, so I like the way the defense has played, but. Uh, I think Joe Judge, for the most part, um, has kind of showed Giants fans that uh, he's going to be a good coach. And if you give him a few years to work with what he has, I think they're on the, the right track. I mean, the last few years, people forget this. Over the last three before this season, uh, the Giants have had the most losses in the NFL over the last three years, more than the Jets, Enough. more than the Jaguars, more than anyone. So the Giants have kind of been the worst team. And uh, at least for now, seems like they're on the right track. So we'll see what happens with the playoffs. I, as much as I want them to make the playoffs because it's been so long, to be honest with you, it might be better for them to just get a higher draft pick and then move forward next season and see what they can do. But it, it doesn't hurt to make the playoffs. It's been so long that they've been good that I kind of want them to just to be entertained and, Say, I'm watching my favorite team in a playoff game, but I think realistically, I don't think they'd go very far if they do make the playoffs. Maybe a win, maybe one win, but I, I don't see them, you know, winning two games in the playoffs. So, absolutely not. I agree with you 100%.
0: I ask you that because Joe Judge was a Patriot coach. And yeah. No, I told, I, yeah. I tell everybody this is a Giants fan because I've had a few people ask me. They're like, what what, is, what do you think of this Joe Judge guy? What did he give you in New England? He was our special teams coach. He was our wide receivers coach. He was very well respected. And I can tell you guys this. A lot of people don't believe me when I tell them this. He was going to take over for Josh McDaniels when Josh McDaniels left because it was inevitable that he was going to leave. And then he pulled the uh, the thing he did with the Colts so they ended up just keeping him a special teams coach, but he's really changed the culture. He's a no nonsense type of guy. And that's what the Giants needed. They needed accountability. And I think he's changed your defense. I mean, the Giants defense is actually not bad. And with all the money the Giants have in cap space next year, I think you guys are going to be really good. I
2: really do going forward. I like what you guys could do. Yeah, I think some people, like expecting him to be Bill Belichick right away. And it's like, yeah, no, nah, not going to happen. No. It's like, all right, you want him to be the greatest head football coach of all time. That's not really going <laughs> to happen, but you can't has learned a thing or two from Belichick. And yeah. uh, even though he's a, a no nonsense type of guy, he definitely gives off that vibe. Like he's not going to take any crap from anyone, but he had that whole thing with Evan Ingram a couple of weeks ago with the bet with the old miss stuff that he ended up like, losing the bet, so he wore all the old Miss uh, gear, the hat, and the sweatshirt. And seeing that side shows that, like, he kind of – I feel like he gets along with the players as well, and that even though he is that – Players coach, player, yeah. I think that you could tell that he uh, the players respect him and they like playing for him. So, as you said, I think moving forward, I think they're definitely going to be a good team to watch. So, I, I am excited to see – holds.
0: Absolutely. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch. He's a really good guy too. Like everybody loves him. Like I was really upset when the Patriots, uh, when he left new England, that
2: really bothered me. I was
0: really upset.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would say I feel bad for you, but as a patriot no, you don't feel bad. For <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel bad.
0: I think you've had your yeah, time. Yeah, funny Julian. Yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> Jets fans, it's funny because like, Jets fans have been waiting so long for Tom Brady and this Patriots dynasty to end. And it's like the two teams that have stepped up are the Bills and the Dolphins as uh, like, Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like I'm horrible. in
1: pain. I'm in pain. And then we win this game last week. I lost my mind with that win. I was irate and I'm still not over it. Just terrible. Yeah. Worst time to get a win and just so jets like you know, me and Bobby always go back and forth, but he always gets the better of me because the Jets are just terrible. And the one time the Patriots got eliminated, I can't even fully celebrate because we win a football (laughs) game, we're not supposed to win. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's very true.
2: The only thing more Jets uh like the only thing more Jets than going 0-16 is winning uh, against the first-place team after going 0-13 and man. missing out on arguably, like, the greatest <sighs> Wait, football play play exactly that we've ever seen. So, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's just it's not it's – The not... Jets fan right now, so –
1: Like, we could go 1-15 and, and still miss him. That's how – bad. that's just – that's so Jets, too. That's that in itself. The fact you win one football game, you can't get the first pick out of that. Really? Like, come on. Yeah. Oh, it can't. How-
2: times you see two one in 15 teams in the same season I don't think that's ever happened before probably I thought the Jaguars were going to be like great they looked pretty they beat the Colts in week one they looked yeah they looked all right you wouldn't think that they would go on and lose you know 15 games in a row but I some Jets fans are praying that they beat the Bears this Sunday of course it could happen I mean we've seen anything can happen with You know, the Jets beating the Rams or Colt McCoy and the Giants beating the Seahawks. But I think at this point, the Jaguars are like, you know what? (laughs) We got blessed by the Jets actually winning a game. I don't think I don't think the Jaguars are going to win a game. But
1: yeah, it's going to be tough. I'm just hoping, man, but they're not motivated to win. That's the problem. It's not. It's a tough Um, scene for me, for sure.
2: The Bears just beat the Vikings last week. And now they're right in the playoff hunt too, so they really need this game. So it would
1: be classic Bears and Mitch if they blow it, though. It is a Mitch move. That's that's what I'm <laughs> hanging my hat on. Like once, whenever you think Mitch hasn't figured out, he blows up or regresses. That's what I'm hoping for this week. All right. Yeah.
2: I, I have uh, two, my I have some family out in Chicago, and my two cousins are both diehard Bears fans, and they every day they wonder why the hell did our team trade up. To pick, I, I won- Mitch, Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that's terrible. That's one of the worst, probably trades feelings that a team has ever made and felt in their <laughs> <laughs> entire.
0: Oh my god! I'm at, just imagine the Bears actually traded up and got Patty Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. They that team would be good. They'd be winning the division every year. Like I yeah, really think they, they would have made
2: some noise. I I mean, when did Patrick Mahomes go? Like 13th or 15th? Yeah, yeah, he went. And the Chiefs traded up to get him. So there were a lot of teams that ended up, you know, passing on him, which always blows my mind. Like, how does these NFL scouts not realize how good a player is? But I really, the same thing happened with Tom Brady, too, with the sixth round. Mm -hmm. But the fact that a team traded up from three to two to get Mitch Trubisky over those (laughs) two guys, is kind of like any scout that you had should probably get fired right away yeah yeah i would say so. oh yeah it's a terrible yeah. evaluation <laughs> yeah like i mean it gives me hope that one day maybe i can be an nfl scout if
0: uh,
2: <laughs> 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 i put ne- my mind ne- t- i i
0: wish i was the patriots wide receiver scout because i think i would do a better job than they're doing for god's <laughs> sake
2: yeah patriots have been uh it's funny. A rough season for the Patriots. They have a better record than the Giants, and it's like the worst season that they've had, and it's like the best season that the Giants have had in the At last. Least, yeah,
0: exactly. You guys can actually score points. Patriots can't do anything. They haven't scored a. They haven't scored a touchdown in two games.
2: Yeah, well, I think the Giants are actually the two lowest scoring teams in the yep. league. Yeah, so they the are. The Patriots aren't far apart, but once again. As as bad as I feel for you, Bobby, it's uh, it's been a good couple of, dec- <laughs> a good couple of decades for Patriots. Been so. very,
0: I've been v- talking about a spoiled fan base, I've been very spoiled with the Yankees and the Patriots. So I, I'm gonna uh, I'm not gonna cry about cry <laughs> over this. It's just it's it's what I have to deal with. I'm just I tell Julian this right now the Patriots are out. It's a weird feeling. All I'm just focused on is free agency in the draft. And I never used to have to deal with worry about this at this time in the year.
2: Yeah, exactly. So the Patriots, I feel like somehow, some way we'll figure it out uh, soon. But they have to be bad for the next couple of years. I don't think anyone's crying. Patriots. (laughs) Except me. Except you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But what else you got first, Jules? All right. So I'm going to go for Yankees talk again. I always ask this. I've been asking this question to a lot of our guests, and I'm really curious on your take. So most overrated Yankee and most underrated Yankee?
2: Most overrated and most underrated. I would say the most underrated is probably Gio Rochella. We get that Uh, one a lot. It's a good answer. Yeah, just because Yankee fans who watch every day realize how great he is. Um, I think people outside of Yankee fans and the Yankee organization, they're just like, oh, here's Yankee fans hyping up some guy that's you know, just an average player, you watch this guy, he's one of, if not the best defender that I've ever seen. Like the way he is with the glove is great. And uh, over the last couple of seasons, he's also just been so clutch. Like you can't, you don't factor clutch into stats. And uh, when you watch someone every day, Gio is a guy that when there's a big spot in the game, I would love to have him up at the plate. And uh, I think if you're not a Yankees fan, you don't really realize that. Uh, most overrated Yankee is a good question. Uh, as much as I love him, I would say maybe Luke Voigt, maybe. And I, okay. I love Luke Voigt, and I actually have a really, really good story, if you guys want to hear about Luke Voigt, that I oh, can yeah. tell. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, But, Not, I think Luke Voigt is really good. I just don't think he's a guy that's going to lead the league in home runs every season like he did this year. Um, But uh, a good quick story I have about Luke Voigt is, it starts off kind of sad. My grandpa, who passed away a couple of years ago, he was a huge Baltimore Orioles fan. So um, every year he would bet everyone in my family who, besides him, was a Yankees fan, that the Orioles would, you know, do better than the Yankees. And every year he pretty much lost that bet because Yankees. Uh, a couple of years ago, he passed away at the age of 98. So he lived a great life, but uh, my family wanted to do something to remember him and kind of honor him. So we were trying to figure out all summer, uh, a game at Camden Yards that we were going to go to, to kind of just remember him. And we didn't know if we wanted to go see the Orioles play the Yankees because we wanted to kind of root for the Orioles for my grandpa, whose name was Lewis. Right. So we were like, do we go to a Yankees game? Because then we'd be really rooting for the Yankees. So what do we do? It ended up that all of our schedules worked out uh, for a Yankees-Orioles game. So you were, we were like, you know what? We'll go to Camden Yards. We'll all wear Orioles t-shirts. If the Yankees win, then low-key we're kind of like, yes, that's the team we wanted to win anyway. But if the Orioles win, it's kind of like, that one's for you, Grandpa. So we ended up going to uh, Camden Yards on a Friday night for an Orioles-Yankees game. And it just happened that that game and that weekend was uh, the players' nickname the weekend, where they all wear the nicknames on the back of their jersey. So we're at the game, and Luke Voigt comes up to bat. And this was like the first week that the Yankees traded for him. And I'm a diehard Yankees fan, as you guys know. I barely knew who Luke Boyd was. I literally said to my dad, I'm like, I have no idea who this guy is. Like, I, I've never even heard of him. That game, he hit a two-run home run to tie the game, and then he hit a two- or three-run home run in extra innings to win the game. And his nickname on the back of his jersey was King Lewis. So we were wow. like – we were like, wow, that's kind of ironic that the game we were going to remember my grandpa, uh, whose name was Lewis, the MVP of the game was a guy whose nickname was King Lewis. So we went out to dinner after the game and we were like, wow, that's pretty crazy that that just a coincidence, like how ironic that King Lewis was the MVP of a game that we went to go honor him. A few months later, I'm um, working that event that we talked about before at Mohegan Sun with Michael K., and Luke Voigt comes into the back uh, stage area. I tell him the same story that I just told you boys, and he goes, "Wow, that's absolutely crazy!" Because I'm named after my grandpa, who was oh born, my god, who was born in Baltimore. How insane is that? So that's scary. Wow. It's honestly like that was one of the first, like one of the real moments in my life. I was like. You know, God works in mysterious ways. The fact that Uh, I'll say out of any game that my family could have gone to that year and that summer, we chose that one game where they're wearing nicknames on the back of their jersey. King Lewis is his nickname. And this is really the first week of him getting any playing time with the Yankees. And he was named after his grandpa, who was born in Baltimore. Out of any place his grandpa could have been born in. He was born in Baltimore. It was like such a crazy coincidence. And ever since that day, I've had a, I've been like Luke Voigt's number one fan. So when I say he's overrated, it kind of hurts me. But like looking around just the team, it's not that being overrated means he's bad because I think he's still very good. I just think that some Yankee fans will say that he, you know, he's the best first baseman in the league or, you know, in the American league. And I just don't think he is that but I still think he's a very solid uh great player. So that story makes me uh kind of just you know it's it's one of my favorite stories to tell just because it's it's kind of like chilling. It kind of gives you chills to think about how like crazy of a coincidence that all is. That's a great that,
1: story. Thanks for sharing with us. Yeah,
0: yeah that, that pretty-
2: that's awesome man. That that's insanity. That yeah when that's, he- I- That that to me, we both were kind of just standing there, like, just like, we were like, wow. He and the thing that was really cool with Luke is when I was telling him that story, like, sometimes you talk to athletes, and even though I said to you before that all these guys are just normal human beings, some of them, you know, can be kind of big shots and kind of think that they're they're uh, they are bigger than life. Uh, when I was telling Luke Voigt that story, he was so like, he was so into the story he was listening to every word uh you could tell he was like really focused in on the story and then when he realized kind of just the connection that we had uh it was kind of just like one of those moments that we were both just like wow and uh i i don't know if he remembers it but i feel like uh he if i ever met him again and i said to him yo like i was behind behind the scenes at michael k at mohegan's son do you remember this story I think he definitely would remember that. So uh, kind of a crazy story that connects me and Luke Boyd a little bit. That definitely is a really crazy story.
0: And the fact you're, you're absolutely right. God does work in mysterious ways. And what a game you guys picked and what a way for that to happen. Literally.
2: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so now I'm always a Luke Boy fan. So even when I hear his name in trade talks, I'm like, no, not Luke, not King Lewis. But uh, I can understand why his name would be in trade talk, because I don't think his value would get any higher than it is right now. And right. that's why the Yankee fans talk about trading Gary Sanchez. I'm like, why would you want to trade a guy who showed that he can be one of, if not the best power hitting catcher at his lowest possible value? You know what I mean? Right now, trading Gary makes no sense because you're not going to get much back for him. But if you trade him before, you know, when he came onto the scene and hit those 20 home runs in like half of a season, if you traded him then, you could have gotten almost anything you wanted. But to trade a guy at that value makes no sense to me. So
1: No. Well, I do have some good news for you. We talked to Brian Hoick and I actually asked him the question about Luke. He said that's not going to happen. And then Cashman even said it too, like the Yankees aren't looking to do that. I think it's all just been like fan speculation. And because of what you said, uh, media's hyped that a little bit. But it's because um he is really good and this is the time to do it. But the Yankees don't want to do it. He's cheap. He's affordable. The only reason they would do it, and this is one question I'll ask you, about lefty bats and balance because the Yankees don't have any lefties and they traditionally have a nice lefty first baseman. That's probably where this all came from in the beginning. They need like a nice lefty guy. Do you think they'll even look to do that? You think we're just going to keep it status quo? Like anyone you're thinking of
2: maybe under the radar. I do think they need a lefty bat um, just to balance things out. Um, Obviously with Glaber at short and DJ at second, like DD isn't needed, but just, I was, I'm using him as an example because when he was in the lineup a few years ago, it gave a nice balance to have a good lefty hitter. I think they want that to be Aaron Hicks, but I don't know necessarily if, if he is the guy. Uh, Gardner is obviously lefty and uh, I don't know if he'll be back. I think he will be. Um, I, I never understand why people are or Yankee fans hate on Brett Gardner. I get it that they would want Clint Frazier to play over him because Clint has shown that he deserves to play every day, but I I to, I still don't understand why any Yankee fan could ever have any hate for Brett Gardner. I just don't get it. Um, I'm not saying he's the lefty that will change this lineup. Um, there's been talks with in, and rumors about Kyle Schwarber, which I don't think is a good idea just because He's another guy that kind of home run or nothing, and we have enough of those type of guys. Um, in a perfect world, I mean, Francisco Lindor would be amazing just because he ha- he's that kind of lefty bat you need. I'm really high on Michael Brantley um, just because he's a guy that co- consistently uh, hits the ball and it's not always home runs. He's kind of like a LeMayu-type player where he's just consistently – getting hits left and right, but I don't know if there's any room for him on this roster. If Stanton wasn't here, I think Brantley would be the perfect fit for like a DH, but uh, with Stanton here and not going away anytime soon, I don't think he fits. So right now I can't really think of any lefties that make uh, too much sense, Um, but they definitely do need to balance out that lineup a little bit more. And I'm not really concerned so much about the righty-lefty. I just think that they need more players. I'm not saying DJ LeMayu's grow on trees, but I think they just need more players that are more about hitting for contact than home run or bust. Because you got Judge, you got Stanton, you got Gary. Even Voight a little bit is, you know, home run or nothing. I, th- I would say Voight and Judge are a little bit less than Stanton and Gary in that yes. regard, but – They do need more players that are just more about, you know, getting singles and playing small ball. And uh, I don't know how many guys are out there right now, but I don't think the, the hitting, everyone always blames the pitching in the postseason. for the most part, the pitching has been somewhat. Okay. It's been the hitting has kind of disappeared uh, when they needed them most. So I do think that they just need more contact like players. I think, Tommy Lastella has been a guy who's been I would mentioned. I love
1: this move.
2: Who, Tommy Lastella?
1: Yeah, we've talked about that too.
2: Yeah, I think he's a guy that, you know, is consistently hitting the ball and it's not always home run. You need to sprinkle those guys in around those power hitters like Judge and Stanton. And uh, I don't think there's really much room for him, but even Angleton Simmons is another guy who's good with the glove. He can hit the ball consistently. so. I'm not really concerned too much with the lefty-righty thing. I'm more concerned with you can't have a whole lineup or home run or bust because in the postseason, when you're playing against the best pitchers in the entire league, most of the time, more often than not, it's not going to be a home run. It's going to be the bust. And we've seen that over the last couple of seasons. When you need a big hit, all these guys are trying to hit the ball out of the park when if you just have more guys like, or uh, Shella and LeMayu that can just, you know, put the bat on the ball, I think the results would be better. But uh, unfortunately, those guys, there's not too many guys like that in the league. So that's why if you lose LeMayu, you're in deep, deep trouble because all of a sudden, yeah, I could see your face. Yeah, it's not great. If you <laughs> lose a guy like him after a proven guy who consistently doubles, singles, uh he can hit a home run when he needs to but you need to got you need to get the guys and sprinkle them into the lineup who can just you know get a hit uh you know two out of four times a game but when you got guys that are going oh for four with four k's and then the next game are going you know two for four with two home runs it's not really balancing out well so you need to get more contact type players
1: I agree a hundred percent. That was literally a perfect
2: answer. I couldn't agree with you more, honestly. Yeah. Well, everyone (sighs) everyone talks about like the, the rules, no one really knows what the rules are going to be moving forward, with, like the three batter minimum and that kind of changes everything with the lefty righties too, because you got to really, if you're a left-handed specialist uh, that kind of really screws you over big time because now you kind of lost your job. But it is nice to have, you know, a a nice balance. And we've seen uh, with those early like dynasty teams with like Bernie Williams and, you know, Jeter and those guys, those lineups don't have the power hitters that the Yankees have now, but they do have just such a great balance of contact hitters, power hitters, lefty and righty. So I think we need to try to find a way to balance out the lineup a little bit more like that. So we'll see. The free agency, as we mentioned, has been super slow. So once players start to get signed, I think we'll start to get a better idea of like who's available and uh, who the Yankees will go for.
0: Absolutely. I agree 100%, man. Um, Yankees got a lot of work to do. But, you know, my final question for you is,
2: in your opinion, how many games do you think we get in baseball this year? That's a good Ooh, question. Tough one. Yeah, right now. I mean, once again, that's another question in a few months. I hope like there'll be more clarity with uh, everything going on in the world. Um, I do think that the, they will start on time in April. Um, oh, but really? I think, okay. I do. Th- I, I, I think so. I think they're going to get going like as soon as possible and try to make as much money. We've seen that with all these sports leagues that really it comes down to money. Like they don't mm-hmm. want to admit it. But everything, if it doesn't make sense, it makes money. And uh, these guys are not going to lose out. Even college football, you know, they have like a lot of cases on certain teams, but they're not going to forfeit any chance to make money. I think if baseball can find out a way to keep playing um, on time, that they're going to do so. But um, 162 games compared to any other sport is obviously a lot of games. And football, they're hoping, you know, Let's get this 16-game season, one game a week. If one game gets really bad with COVID, we'll try to postpone it and move it to another day and try to figure it out then. Baseball is a little more difficult um, just because there's so many games that's being played every day. They might do another thing where they don't have to travel as much like we saw last season where it was just the East versus the East, the West versus the West, the Central versus the Central. But uh, I, I know the commissioner who I don't have too much trust in. <laughs> nope,
1: we don't either. And we're not going to oh. go there right now, but we, we don't know. have much good to say about that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I have too much good to say about him either, but he definitely has his hands full and all the people Worried, the ex- worries me. Yeah. And as much as you want to say it, because the owners are obviously very wealthy, any business that loses, you know, millions, possibly billions of dollars whether or not they are billionaires or not, that's still a lot of money to be lost. They're getting killed with no fans in the stands. We've seen with some sports in certain states that they're allowing, you know, like limited capacity. I don't know about you guys, and I I totally get that everyone looks at COVID differently uh, with the situations. I feel like even last year, the Yankees could have probably, or any team, could have figured out ways to, you know, have a certain amount of fans like socially distance in in the crowd, and they could have made some money back with that, you know, like have certain sections open and try to limit the way that we've seen the NFL do. Uh, certain college football uh, venues have done that as well. So I do think this year, I don't think we're gonna see a season. Where all the games have no fans in the stands. I do think that they're going to try to figure out a way, even if it's limited capacity, which it probably will be. And let's be real: as great as it is to have a you know a packed stadium, I'm totally cool with having a whole row to myself. Like that would be <laughs> True. That, that would be awesome if I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't have to you know stand up and make ten people exactly stand. <laughs> have like my own space at a baseball game. Would kind of be kind of cool. <laughs> so. I do think that they uh, are going to try to figure out a way to make everything safe, but at the same time, try to maximize the uh, income as well. So, well, I think we'll get a little bit more clarity in the next couple of months with just the vaccinations and how the world responds to COVID. But I do think they'll try to get the most games in as possible uh, with the MLB season. So.
1: I'm really hoping that you're correct with that, because I've heard it could be four to six weeks back, maybe 120 or 130. But if we get 120 or 140, like anywhere in there, I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's, at least we're almost full. I mean, I want full, but like if we get 120 to 140, I guess I can't really complain, especially yeah. if they start letting people back in, which I think they will too. And I'm, me and Bobby are itching to go to games. We are desperately trying to get back to We <sighs> are. Like as soon as they let us in, we're going. Hey.
2: Boys, if we're allowed back at the Yankee games, guarantee me that we can meet up at a game and share a beer and hang out for a hundred, a Absolutely.
1: Days, right? 100%. Absolutely. 100%, bro. I would love to do that. That's what we've missed so much this year, just those interactions. Meeting people like you, like, being out there, having fun, rooting on our team, like, just talking about stories, just having a good time. And it's just its, just, it's what COVID has taken from us this year, basically. But, no, we're 100% doing that next year if we're able to yeah
2: no that's some crazy cats on yankees twitter that uh <laughs> <laughs> for sure some
1: crazy i have too it's really that, yeah. that's really All something
2: i like i've gotten to meet really like great people like you guys and i gotten to meet people that social media is crazy you get to meet so many people that you know you feel like you know but you never even met in person like you yeah, feel right. like you, but but i was hoping last season to uh meet a bunch of people at Yankee games. There were a few times at Yankee games, not last season, obviously, but the year before that I had people come up to me at Yankee games. Like, are you Jake Montgomery from Twitter? I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and, uh, I was going out with this girl at the time. And she was like, did you pay that guy to say that? I'm like, no, I didn't pay that. Guy. <laughs> like, it's crazy. The power that Twitter and social media has, but I am definitely looking forward to the time again, when we can all just, Go to Yankee Stadium, you know, spend 20 bucks on some chicken tenders. <laughs> yeah. the bucket. Yeah, the chicken bucket is like my best friend. So uh, <laughs> I miss them. I miss, yeah, spending $100 on a beer. But uh, sooner, hopefully, than later, we can all, you know – Enjoy being at a Yankee game again because it's been way too long. So I know it's crazy. The last
1: game we went to, we both went together, ALCS game four against the Astros that lost the day before the win. That was our last memory at the stadium. It's just a stain because the Astros and they cheat and then we don't win it this year. <laughs> oh man, we need redemption badly. I'm just itching to go. It's yeah, just...
2: guarantee you that we'll never take stuff like that for granted again. No, you know, absolutely not. Back at the games, like fully soak it in and be like wow Bobby and I
1: were talking about doing something funny like kissing the ground or something like our first time back (laughs) in like making a funny video or something like we gotta
2: come up with something clever like once we get that uh, kissing the ground during a pandemic might not be the best idea but uh, Uh I totally feel you yeah you got to do something to just make sure like you know life's too short you want to make sure (laughs) stuff that you enjoy doing like going to Yankee games like you really just Soak it all in when you can. <laughs> yeah,
1: kissing the ground's probably overkill, but that's how I'm desperate the situation nah, made I, is. I respect it. I respect <laughs> it. We're dedicated <laughs> to the game, but one last question that we'll let you go. So I know you're a Knicks guy too. What are you thinking about tonight? What do you think about Obi Toppin quickly? Some of our RJ Barrett Mitch. Like what do you I'm looking forward to some stuff. I mean, we're not the Nets, obviously, and Nets that looked amazing last night. Yeah, probably dude. gonna go to the finals and shove it in our face, most likely. Yeah. Durant Irving looked unreal I know it's only one game I'm sure Bobby was really hyped too because he's in that fan but it's just I'm just curious on your thoughts with the Knicks
2: yeah I uh certainly have some thoughts on the Knicks they've been they've been the laughing stock of the NBA for so long now um every season going into the season I'm always like a little excited and then by like the 20th game I'm like mm-hmm. is it the draft yet is it the draft <laughs> but uh I do think, and once again, I do say this like every year, but this year I really do mean it that I think some of the young guys do have like some potential. I don't think that any of these guys are going to be, you know, top 10, top 20 players in the league. But I do think that they have some guys, you know, RJ Barrett, obviously, uh, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson. I think these guys can be, you know, like solid players. So I think if they can get you know, four or five solid, good young players, that will at least attract, you know, maybe a big name to come here and play with them. And that's kind of what they need. Obviously, James Dolan, everyone always says like how he's the reason why none of these big names want to come here. But I do think if they can be respectable, and if some of these young guys perform and, you know, show that they can play, maybe uh, a big name will say like, you know what, I think if these guys panned out a little bit earlier, Kevin Durant and Kyrie might've considered coming to the Knicks and the Nets fans, as mm. you said, they're probably in heaven right now. It's only been one game, but they did look, it, it pains me to say, but they look, <laughs> great. And, uh, they are going to be one of the best teams in the East, but that's because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving looked at Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris and Karis LeBert and said, you know what, if we go there, they have some pieces already that can, you know, we can play with and probably win a championship with if RJ Barrett and OB Toppin and Mitchell Robinson, and maybe, you know, Kevin Knox and Emmanuel quickly, if they show that they can be solid role players, you know, or three or four guys, if we, maybe we can attract a one or a two type superstar to come play with them. And that's really all you can ask for. Um, I, I don't think that, they're gonna win the NBA championship this year, obviously, or even come close. But I a part of me wants to say that best case scenario, maybe they can, you know, sneak in to the eight seed. Maybe mm-hmm. I always feel that way every year, but this year might be more real than other years, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Like every we'll year see. I'm like, they're gonna sneak in, and then when they're 0-20 after 20 games, I'm like, maybe not, but <laughs> I do think that um they have some good at least I know it's once again, preseason against like the Cavaliers, but they have shown that, you know, if these guys, the young guys can play well together. uh, I think at least they'll be watchable, which is all I can really ask for. And uh, I do think that maybe at the end of the season, we'll be talking about how the Knicks, you know, have been a pleasant surprise and can maybe sneak into the playoffs. And once again, I don't expect them to, you know, win a playoff series, but just to get, you got to get rid of the losing mentality. You can't go into every year being like, all right, we're going to be losers. Same thing with the giants. That's why at least this year, even though their record is still a losing record, at least that losing mentality seems to like slowly be going out the window. So all I can ask for with the Knicks is to just like be respectable. Don't be the laughing stock of the league. If some of these guys look like they can pan out, then maybe that'll attract you know, a big name superstar to come play with them. And I don't want to trade for like James Harden because getting rid of all the assets that we gain to get a guy who needs other players to win, that makes no sense. But I do think that if these guys are somewhat good, I do think maybe they can attract, you know, big type name superstar to come play with them. And maybe that'll change the way that other superstars look at the Knicks. So we'll see what happens. It's the first game tonight with the Pacers. I think it'll be fun to see these young guys play. Just let them play. Let them, you know, make progress and grow together. And maybe we'll uh, see some Knicks playoff basketball with the eight seed in a couple of months. But who knows? I'm a, you know, a hopeful Knicks fan. But they beat me down every year to the point where it's hard to be optimistic. But I'm still here. I'm still trying to be. So we'll (laughs) see
1: what happens. I feel your pain. And I think you said that perfectly too. Like and that's what the Knicks have to do. They need to get the star, hope the young pieces work out. But Jake, thank you so much. This was a fantastic. Interview. Thank you, bro. We had a
2: great time. Anytime guys. Uh, I really thank you guys. I want to thank you guys for uh, having me on. As I said before, you guys do a great job with your podcast and all your social media stuff on Twitter. And uh, I hope you. you're very happy thank you so much. Okay, guys.
1: Have a good holiday as well. Merry yep, Christmas. You too.
2: Thank you, boys. I'll enjoy my... Thank you uh, so
1: much. I'll send you all the stuff like once we post it. We'll have the audio for sure, the video I'll maybe take apart. We'll have to see like what we're going to do.
2: I got you, man. All right, guys. Have a good one, okay? Good talking to you. Be well. You too. Thanks, boys. You
1: too. See you later. So that was a great podcast. Absolutely. Yes, it was. We got some great insight from him. It was a long one. We're getting close to an hour and a half, so without further ado let's get these handles and we'll get moving here so Talks mlb is the website like we said before twitter and instagram is Talks team spotify apple podcast gmt sports talks presented by Talks, which is where this will be uploaded to my personal twitter julian Gillardi one my personal instagram julian gillardi 11 bobby take it away brother
0: So my personal Twitter is bthompson81. My personal Instagram is thompson 81 Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon.
1: Yes, sir, brother. We'll see you later.